welcome to Wit Beyond Measure. I'm Katrina Mayer. And I'm Elle Kammerer. And this week we are talking about chapters 34 through 40 of Pride and Prejudice. Yes, yes we are. And I have the pleasure of doing the really super quick roundup of what happens in these chapters, which it's not that many chapters, but a lot. I mean, like I say this every week, but a lot happens. It's like really dense at the beginning. Yeah. Like mind fatigue dense at the beginning. Yeah. The excitement for this week's section really is the beginning. The first mm-hmm. two chapters, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's what happens in a short and sweet roundup. Lizzie is supposed to go to Rosings with the Collinses, but she doesn't because she's been crying all night and she has a headache and her face is all all puffy. You know how it is. So when the family is out, she's at home still kind of going over what she heard about Mr. Darcy. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Darcy shows up out of nowhere because he thinks that she's sick and he's concerned. And when he sees that she's okay, something comes over him and he decides to confess his love of her, insult her character and her family's character, and then propose to her. Lizzie refuses the proposal and refuses his love. She tells him that he's a terrible person for what he did to Jane. And he's even a worse kind of person for what he did for Wickham. Let me re- reiterate that. She's mad about Jane and Bingley, but she's even more mad about Wickham. Underline, underline, underline. <laughs> Darcy's angry at this, probably because Lizzie puts his offense against Wickham above the offense to her sister, which really pisses him off. Uh, but anyway, he leaves. Lizzie spends the rest of her night thinking about the fact that Mr. Darcy just proposed to her. Like, what the fuck? So then the next day, she goes walking, as she does, but she's a little scared she's going to run into Darcy because he's been following her because he likes her and he wants to be around her. So she's going to go a different place. But she ends up running into Mr. Darcy anyway, which is crazy to think of because, like, there's so much space. I don't know. But she runs into Mr. Darcy. He gives her a letter and she reads it. And then she starts to question every single interaction she has ever had with Mr. Wickham. Uh, Lizzie gets a bit of a reality check. And we are all reminded that she is still a young, naive girl, essentially. She's a young adult. So she reads the letter and she spends a lot of time thinking. Then her and the Collinses visit Lady Catherine. Lady Catherine is Lady Catherine. Lizzie leaves the Collinses' house. With Charlotte's younger sister, they go to London, they pick up Jane, then they make their way back to Longbourn. And because of carriages, they end up hanging out at this inn where they switch from, I'm assuming, her aunt and uncle's carriage to her father's carriage to take them back to Longbourn. And while they're at the inn, they meet up with Lydia and Kitty. Uh, Lydia tells them that Mr. Wickham is no longer attracted or kind of like dating quote unquote miss king because miss king has moved away she also tells them that the militia is going to brighton and lydia really wants the bennett's to go to brighton for the summer then of course lydia and kitty tell the older girls about all of the ridiculous things that they've been up to since the two have been away from home lydia buys an ugly bonnet just for fun then they end up back at longbourn everyone is welcomed home lizzie and jane have a chat And Mrs. Bennet then flat out asks Lizzie if Mr. and Mrs. Collins talk about owning Longbourn. Giant. So that's the really short and simple 
summary of what happened. So let's get into the dirty details of which I bypassed by saying that there's a letter, Mm -hmm. which is the simplest way to put this. Right. But before we get to that letter and all of its juicy, glorious details, we must talk about this proposal. Because it is the worst proposal in the history of proposals ever. I don't know. I feel like, so I want to compare it to the Mr. Collins proposal. Okay, sounds good. Which is also terrible. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but in different ways. But yes. Oh, yes. They are in different ways. But I don't necessarily feel like one is worse than the other because I think they are both the worst proposals ever. So. I'm not going to sit here and defend Mr. Darcy's proposal over Mr. Collins' proposal. I just want to point out that they're both terrible. Yeah, so, of course. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. You seem right ready to jump in on this proposal. All right. So throughout Mr. Darcy's proposal, I just kept writing, dude, after everything he said, pretty much, what is your problem? I know this is like considered a very romantic line-ish. Like it's very well known and very often quoted, the one where Darcy finally gets up after inquiring about her health and he's like, in vain have I struggled. It will not do. My feelings will not be repressed. You must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. And I don't like it. It's like a backhanded compliment. It's like, I love you against my will. I've tried to not love you, but I can't. And That's not what people want to hear. Well, that's not necessarily true because it kind of falls under the line of... Now, I'm not, of course, I'm not saying, like, in real life. I'm just saying, you know, like, the romantic ideas that people have. Mm -hmm. But it falls under that category of you love me so much that you can't help yourself but love me. It's like, even if, like we're not supposed to be together and there's nothing that can be done about it. Like you love me. It's like a Romeo and Juliet kind of love kind of thing. It's kind of where you can kind of see how people would feel that this is really romantic. Like he's not supposed to love her, but he does. So I totally get that. But then he goes on to talk about the inferiority of her and Mm -hmm. her family. And Mm -hmm. it's like, dude, No, there are things you just don't say. Like, he is not tactful. He needs to learn tact. I have a whole whole giant note about Darcy and how he communicates with people. So whenever you're ready for me to tell you about that little theory, I'll let you know. (laughs) Just go. So, yeah. I think you should tell us. Okay. So this whole time we've been reading this, I've been talking about how I feel like Mr. Darcy is misunderstood Mm -hmm. and how I kind of eventually want to do a little thing where I'm kind of discussing all of these different points and how I feel like Mr. Darcy is really just an awkward person. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, kind of really come to this conclusion after seeing this interaction with Lizzie. And while I'm not saying that Mr. Darcy was in the right, I will say this. I think Mr. Darcy has a problem with understanding and communicating with other people, especially women. And while I think some of the blame is on him for not kind of learning as he's gotten older, I do think that it, a lot of the blame also just kind of rests on society and his reputation mm-hmm. because he's known for having all of this money and being a high society. So when he walks into a room, everybody there already has this idea and perception of him. They want to 
treat him well because he has money. So if he says something that's slightly out of line or slightly awkward, they're never going to bring it up, you know? Mm-hmm. They're never going to be like, oh, man, no, you probably shouldn't talk to people like that. And especially with women, because as we've seen literally throughout this whole book, especially with Miss Bingley, women that he meets who are not married are going to want to marry him because of his money. So if he's awkward or says things like he does to Elizabeth, they're not going to say anything about it because they still want to be in his good favor. Mm -hmm. If he had said these exact same things to Miss Bingley, she would have been like, I don't, I don't care. I'm going to marry you anyway, because that's what I want. I want you. I want your money. I want your status. Mm -hmm. So I think that a lot of this awkwardness comes from the fact that he, you know, is always treated well. And even if you look at his friend, Mr. Bingley, Bingley, like, just lets everything kind of, like, slide off his back. So he's never going to be questioning Darcy and being like, oh, hey, no, dude, you stepped over the line there. Because he's just like, eh, yeah, whatever. It's just how he is. So he's never being questioned, so he never thinks about it. So that's why he's acting the way that he does, because he doesn't know any better. And then he meets Lizzie. And Lizzie's like, no, I'm not going to let you talk to me like this. And so I think his getting upset and the the way he reacts to the way she reacts Mm -hmm. is less him being an asshole and more him just reacting because this is the first time he's had to deal with this. Oh, yeah. And even I, I had a note in this section with angry with himself question mark like anytime like he said he was angry I of course there's like the initial like rejection anger but Mm -hmm. I also think underneath that there's an anger and frustration in himself and yeah I think maybe not in the moment but I think when he steps back and thinks about everything that has happened he is going to maybe not yet regret the things that he said but in time I think he will he'll like come to that realization. Yeah, I think he'll finally start to learn, oh, what I did say was not right. Mm -hmm. She's the first person to really step up and be like, hey, no, you don't talk to people like that. And I think that that's kind of a surprise to him. And actually, in the section where it says his complexion became pale with anger, Mm -hmm. I actually put or embarrassment. Mm -hmm. Like, is it anger or did, was Jane, or Jane, Jane Austen actually kind of hinting more at embarrassment than anger? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And also throughout this section, I think Lizzie, especially in the beginning, does a really good job of like trying to compose herself and trying to like say in very clear terms why her answer is no and also why she isn't going to thank him for this proposal. I mean, it is a great honor and she knows this, but she's like, I can't give him that satisfaction because he needs to know that this is wrong. It doesn't matter how high in society you are how much money you have you can't treat people this way exactly exactly but at the same time as we're sitting here reading this yeah i had the same thing every time he said something i'd be like what are you doing don't say that so after lizzie initially rejects his proposal and like he's getting defensive she kind of throws back at him well why did you break up my sister and Bingley essentially to like really dig in like this is the reason why I'm most mad at you and they have that exchange and he says that I have no wish of denying that I did everything in my power to separate my friend from your sister or that I rejoice in my success towards him I have been kinder than towards myself meaning that 
him separating Bingley from Jane was kinder than him separating himself from Lizzie. And I'm like, you just keep digging yourself into a hole. She's not going to want to hear that. Well, it's like, it's, it's kind of what we were talking about last week with the whole, he's flirting with Lizzie after he very clearly broke up Jane and Bingley. Why is he doing that? And it's, it's, it goes back to that whole, in vain, I have tried to not love you. Yeah. So it's very much like I tried to keep my friend from putting himself in this predicament I find myself in and I am having a hard time dealing with because mm-hmm. I know neither one of us should be with you, Ben and sisters, but also of your family, you guys are the best, which I think comes up later, but still. <laughs> and then after that, she like accuses him, like you said, excellently in your recap about what he did to Wickham and she really drives home the point that he, Darcy, is bad. Darcy's the bad person and she mm-hmm. hits it so hard and he's like, all right, I'm bad. I guess I'm out. Right. Well, so I do want to point this out too, though, back to I'm saving Bingley from the pain that I'm in also goes back to that romantic, oh, you love me so much you can't help it. It's bad for us, but we're still going to do it kind of situation. So it's still laying that groundwork for the the swoon romance. And then the fact that Lizzie's point at first of like, you're terrible, you broke up my sister in Bingley, she kind of like lessens on that. And then she's like, okay, well, yeah, I guess you have a good response for that. Sort of like, you know, you don't want to like you're in pain for liking me, you don't want to cause Bingley pain for liking Jane, I don't know. But you know what, Mr. Wickham, that's the thing I'm going to be really super pissed about. Yes, like, how dare you? So much more weight on that. Yeah. Last point. (laughs) So after, like, the Wickham accusation, you know, he brings in, like, her poverty, like, the comparative poverty, which Lizzie isn't impoverished at Mm-mm. all. But, Mm-mm. like, compared to Darcy, Darcy's like, you're so poor. Lizzie says, you are mistaken, Mr. Darcy, if you suppose that the mode of your declaration affected me in any other way than as it spared me the concern which I might have felt in refusing you, had you behaved in a more gentlemanlike manner translation thanks for being a dick now i don't have to feel bad about rejecting you (laughs) that is that is true Uh, i do want to talk about the whole yeah your your poverty your uncivility your impropriety and everything like that because he brings that up and it, it that does go into into the letter as well he brings that up as the reason why it quote unquote pains him to love lizzie so much because by all accounts The Darcys and the Bennets should not be joined in marriage because of, not necessarily completely because of the amount of money that each family has, but also because of the way the Bennets act, which is brought up specifically in the letter, which we'll get to. Mm -hmm. So if you take Darcy and Lizzie out of the equation, personality-wise, those two families shouldn't be together because of society. So I think that that's why... It is hard for Darcy to kind of wrap his brain around how much he does like Lizzie because it's, he's very much in the mindset and has always lived within the society that would very much look down on him for marrying somebody like Lizzie. Maybe not because of who Lizzie is, but definitely because of who her family is. Right. So 
it's again really bad because you're not supposed to bring that up when you're proposing to somebody. Oh, it's so uncouth. <laughs> like, Darcy, can't you like wait and joke about this later with her once you've secured that affection? You don't do this in the proposal. Hello. Again, he doesn't know how to talk to women. <laughs> but I I I wrote somewhere in these chapters that just said society has put you in this position in a sense. I mean, actions of the two parties have also put you in this position. But if society hadn't been an issue, Bingley and Jane would be together. We wouldn't have to deal with that. We would only have to deal with the Wickham situation. And society is still fucking shit up. Yeah. <laughs> Lizzie says at another point later in the, in this section, she felt depressed beyond anything she had ever known before. To which I wrote, it was a result of society which depresses us all now. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So that's the proposal. Let's talk about this letter. So the letter, and I need to say this again. I've mentioned it before. This letter is the reason why it took me two tries to get through this book the first time. (laughs) Because it is six pages in my book with no paragraph breaks. Yeah. (laughs) Which drives me insane. There's a lot of information in the letter. And even prior, like when Darcy is giving it to her, like that's happening up there. I'm thinking, oh, you know, maybe he just expresses himself better in the written form. And then I read the letter and I was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) But basically this letter is of two parts. um, And he is explaining the two things Lizzie is accusing him of doing wrong separating Jane and Bingley and then the Wickham stuff so he really addresses both of those points and I was gonna start by giving my thoughts on the Jane Bingley situation because I know we had a very fierce debate last week about Darcy so I'm very interested in your rebuttal hi (laughs) not nervous at all no you shouldn't be because you have great ideas all right So basically, Darcy, what he's saying, his reason for why he separated Jane and Bingley first is because when they're at Netherfield, Darcy starts to think, oh, Bingley's falling for this girl. And oh, Bingley's always falling for girls. He's very easily a person who falls in love. So I'm just going to kind of watch how things go. Then at the ball, Sir William goes up to Darcy and basically says, oh, look at Jane and Bingley over there. It'll be great when they get married. Hang on a second. He doesn't go up to them. That's when he walks through the dance floor and stops them in the middle of their dance and decides to have a conversation, which I do remember talking about because I was like, rude. (laughs) Like, awkward. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But yes, but essentially, you know, Sir William is like, all right, everything's set up for their marriage except the date, pretty much. And then Darcy's like, okay, I need to watch them even more close now. And so he does, and he sees all love and affection on Bingley's side, but he's not seeing it on Jane's side. She's kind, and she's attentive, and she's sweet, and reserved, and everything. But Darcy doesn't feel that she has a lot of heart invested in it. He says that... Her look and manners were open, cheerful, and engaging as ever, but without any symptom of particular regard. 
and I remained convinced from the evening scrutiny that though she received his attentions with pleasure, she did not invite them by any participation of sentiment. So based on that, and then what followed, which was how everybody else in the Bennett family was acting at the ball, Lydia and Kitty going kind of crazy, Mary and her father like exhibiting themselves, and then of course the big icing on the cake is Miss Bennett and like her conversation about marrying rich and then all of her daughters will be able to marry rich and money is the most important clearly at least this is how Darcy is interpreting that he's like nope I gotta separate my friend from this marriage from this family because they are only after him for one thing and if Jane doesn't really love him then it's not going to be worth it it's going to be a terrible idea so that's his reasons he gives Lizzie for separating them and he even goes so far as to say yep I know you know her personality better than I do and then so I guess I apologize if I misunderstood which I'm like Darcy but he's still gonna stand by what he said and then he goes on to say I talked it over with Bingley sisters they also agree that it's not a good idea it's not a good match so yeah we are going to convince Bingley to not go after Jane and you know what? I am very concerned that even though Bingley listens to me and he takes my advice, if he were to see Jane again, he might relapse and fall in love with her again. So I'm going to go a step further. And even though I'm ashamed of this, I still stand by it. I'm going to make sure that they don't see each other in London. That was my doing, Lizzie. I admit to that. He says it was a moment of weakness, but he still stands by it. I'm like, Darcy, like you're just interjecting in this scenario that really it's not your business I know you're trying to be a good friend but you're not being a good friend right now you're not because we know he's wrong so I know I know you want to say he's a good friend but I don't think he's being a very good friend I disagree I think that this letter just emphasizes my point from last week which was that he's trying to be a good friend because all he sees is a girl who may or may not actually like him and a family who just wants his money but he misunderstands everything and i don't think controlling your friend and like suggesting very strongly that your friend not do something that they might want to do is being a good friend especially when it comes to separating them in London if he really wanted to know full on if this were the case he could have either gone to Jane himself if he didn't want Bingley to go or like put them together and see what happened he is acting in a way that he is deciding nope I'm in charge I like this power and this isn't gonna happen nope and it's not his life It's not his life. So he's the only thing he's actually misinterpreting in terms of all of the things put together is Jane's affections. Because seriously, Mrs. Bennett was pretty much like, oh, yeah, now all of my daughters can marry rich. Like, so he wasn't wrong in that sense. And in all honesty, he says that, like, in terms of the Bennett family, they are a total want of propriety so frequently so almost uniformly betrayed by Mrs. Bennet and the three younger sisters and occasionally even the father that like, like they're doing it all the time. They're always out of like, like they're always, they're always ridiculous. 
So yeah, but that's it makes, family. But it's it is, but it isn't because like in high society, that's not how you act. So he's not wrong in when it comes to her family. He's wrong when it comes to Jane's affections, which, and I'm going to defend Darcy here, the only person we have been able to tell who can read Jane in this entire novel is Lizzie. Well, and even Darcy concedes that, yeah, Lizzie knows Jane better than he himself knows Jane, so shouldn't he then defer to Lizzie rather than his own misguided judgment? Here's the thing. He can't ask Jane, like you suggested, because it wouldn't have been proper for him to call on Jane. Can he ask Lizzie? He can't call on Lizzie like that either. It would have been improper. He's doing it at Rosie's. Yeah. Okay, so, well, okay, then let's retract that. Let's say it this way. He knows that Lizzie isn't a big fan of his, so why would she tell him the truth? Also, then, if he knows that Lizzie is a big fan of his, why is he proposing? <laughs> because he likes her for some reason and he can't deny it. Also, do you really think that he was he would be able to have this conversation with Lizzie? There's no way. No, that's why he, he wrote it in to. a letter. No, I know, but that's also why he didn't ask her because there's just no way. But also, I, I have he a probably feeling knows he's wrong in that regard. I disagree. I disagree. He knows he's wrong about how Jane is. I think. I think. So let me put it this way: Lizzie is the one who says to him before he writes this letter. That I know Jane. And he then, hearing that, agrees. So it was probably not something he thought of at the time. Especially given the short amount of time between the Netherfield Ball and when he decided to separate Bingley and Jane. So he sees Jane and Bingley interacting and can't read Jane. So he kind of reads it as taking all of the affection but not giving any back. At that same night, he is told that there's, they're possibly getting married, and he hears Mrs. Bennett talk about how now her other kids can marry Rich. So all three of those things happen. The next day, Bingley goes to London. That same day, Darcy and Miss Bingley have a conversation where Miss Bingley expresses her concerns with the same problems. That same day... They leave for London, or the next day they leave for London. Actually, I think it's, I think it is that same day, because that's also the day Lizzie gets proposed to by Mr. Collins, right? I think so. Yeah, so the same day they decide to go to London. So there isn't really time for him to be like, oh, well, let me just call on Lizzie really quick, or call on Jane, because he isn't as familiar with Jane. He's not friends with her. Miss Bingley is. When they're in London, Miss Bingley calls on Jane and gets that like so she would be the one to report back to Darcy about about Jane. So I wouldn't be surprised if Darcy asked Miss Bingley about Jane and or considered like when he spoke with Miss Bingley at first about Jane and Mr. Bingley. He was kind of expecting Miss Bingley to be like, No, 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 she really likes him because they're friends. But it turns out she had the same concerns, so that just kind of only solidified his concern with Jane not having feelings. But Miss Bingley isn't going to give a fair report of Jane to Darcy. But Darcy doesn't necessarily see that because he sees Miss Bingley and Jane as being friends. So that's no, why I he agree. would expect that. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying it's not Darcy's fault. He did it. He, what he did was terrible, but it's not as terrible as you were making it seem. No, it's pretty bad. I just don't think you should interfere in people's lives like that. You can give your opinion and your advice, but to like go out of your way to 
purposefully separate people and prevent them from seeing each other based on assumptions isn't enough. And of course, I know there's the whole thing with the family, which I I get his reasoning there and I support that reasoning that he's going through, like with the family in the back of his head, but not of Jane's temperament. I don't support that at all. I don't think that's okay because everybody shows love differently. And in my life, I have been called cold and unfeeling and unaffectionate when that is not how I am. But that's just my demeanor. And so this resonated with me and it made me very upset with Darcy in this instance. I'm sorry. It's okay. I just don't feel like it. Like, I, I think that he went about getting the information that he got about Jane and about her affections. I feel like he went, given the restraints of the time, I feel he like he went about getting the information about Jane that he then used in the best way he could have given the circumstances. Because he couldn't ask Lizzie, he couldn't ask Jane. He only had Miss Bingley and his own observations. Okay. Now, his purposefully keeping Bingley and Jane separated in London, that is some devious bullshit. But his concern for Bingley and Jane, I think, was given the information he had and the way he had the information, I think, was valid. Now, in today's society, that would be complete bullshit because there would be no reason for him to not ask Jane about it. Right. Yeah. Now, what were we talking about before? That's it. <laughs> I feel really bad now. Why? Because you, because you said that you're a Jane and that makes me sad. Oh, it's okay. I don't want you to be Jane. Because <laughs> if you're Jane, I'm definitely Lizzie. <laughs> I'm a little bit of them all, but... But in, in like the unfeeling way and like how feelings get misinterpreted sometimes and like how people act, I feel like I'm a little bit Jane in that because I have been misinterpreted, I think, in my past, like in terms of like feelings and emotions because I am kind of like a reserved person. So, yeah, I think that's why I'm just so mad at Darcy. Like I get all the other stuff and like your points are so on point. Your points are so on point. <laughs> <laughs> but like I just see this as like a roadblock. Kind of like Lizzie right now. She sees this Jane thing as a roadblock. Mm-hmm. And then I think that in turn drives and amplifies the Darcy Wickham scenario, which you should take that over right now. Let's hear about what he has to say on the devious Mr. Wickham. Yes. So the second half of the letter discusses in detail what happened between Darcy and Mr. Wickham. He starts off simply by saying that of what he has particularly accused me of, I am ignorant. So of what Mr. Wickham has said of Mr. Darcy, he has no idea because he does not discuss things with Mr. Wickham or anything like that. So he is just sitting here and he's flat out saying, this is what I have to tell you. This is what happens. This is my account. Take with it as you will, because I don't understand what your relationship is with Mr. Wickham, but this is what I have to say. So the beginning of it, of their story, is essentially the same as what Mr. Wickham had said. The two are close in age. They grew up together. Mr. Wickham's father was, I think, the steward of Mr. Darcy's father. Um, the, the two fathers were good friends. And as Mr. Wickham was growing up, Mr. Darcy's father did dote on him. He, mm-hmm. he found him to be a good boy. 
that he had good manners. Uh, Mr. Darcy Sr. even made sure that Mr. Wickham was able to go to school and have a gentleman-like education because Mr. Wickham's parents wouldn't have had that money. Apparently, Mr. Wickham's mom liked to spend money on frivolous things. Bit of a Lydia. I was going to say, like a little bit like that ugly bonnet. <laughs> yeah. So while Mr. Darcy and Wickham weren't necessarily friends when they were kids, they were the same age. And because of that, Mr. Darcy says that he was able to observe things that Wickham was doing that only someone who was growing up with him and was the same age had the opportunity to see. So Mr. Darcy had opportunities of seeing Wickham in unguarded moments. So he, Mr. Darcy could get a better understanding of Mr. Wickham's actual character than Mr. Darcy Sr. or Mr. Wickham Sr. So... After Mr. Darcy Sr. died, it was set up that Mr. Wickham was going to join the church. He was in schooling to do that when Mr. Darcy died. And when Mr. Darcy died, it was set up in his will. This is Mr. Darcy Sr. It was set up in his will that Mr. Wickham be kind of provided for throughout his education to become a member of the church. And then... Once he was in the best manner his profession might allow, Mr. Darcy Jr. was to provide for him a family living might be his as soon as it became vacant, which makes it sound as if it's a some sort of parsonage, kind of mm -hmm. like Mr. Collins is to Lady Catherine. Yep. Yeah. So Mr. Wickham was supposed to be given something like that to where he could have his own family, live a good life, and he was also to get 1,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't say per year, so I'm assuming that it's just a thousand pounds total. But he would be getting more money living as a, as a clergyman, because that's a profession. He would be making money. So far, the stories line up, and everything seems, you know, to be exactly what Wickham had told Lizzie. Mm -hmm. Then things change. All of a sudden, Mr. Wickham goes to Mr. Darcy and says, you know what? I don't want to be a clergyman. I'd rather study law. But a thousand pounds isn't enough for me to live on while studying law. Which makes sense, you know, like, being a lawyer costs more money, you have to have certain standards, everything like that. So Mr. Darcy's is like, okay, you know what, if that's what you really want to do, we can change the agreement. Now, again, Mr. Darcy and Mr. Wickham are not friends. Like, they're not buddy-buddy, they're not hanging out. And actually, like, there was a span of time between which Mr. Darcy and Mr. Wickham actually spoke last. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're just, they're friends and having this idle conversation. Mr. Wickham specifically wrote to Mr. Darcy and was like, hey... Decided to change my mind. I want to do this profession instead. Help me out. Mr. Ernest is like, yeah, sure, whatever. Cool. We'll change the terms. So they agree that Mr. Wickham is going to study law and he gets 3,000 pounds, which is significantly more. Well, it turns out Mr. Wickham is lazy and decides to not study law and just be idle and spend all of his money. So after all of the money is gone, he writes back to Mr. Darcy and is like, yeah, you know what? Actually, I think I will be a clergyman. Can we go back to the original like plans where I get like thousand pounds and I get parsonage and everything like that? We cool? And Mr. Darcy's like, yeah, no, like you, <laughs> you made your decision. We changed the rules. So no, I'm not going to go back to the original plan. I gave you more than enough and you've, you've ruined it. So no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And Mr. Wickham gets really pissed and that you stop talking. 
And Wickham starts spreading shit about Darcy. He does. But that isn't even the worst part. That's not. You're right. The worst part is the previous summer, which in my mind makes me think, so they met Darcy and Bingley in like November, October. They met them at Michaelmas, if you recall, which is September 30th. Around Michaelmas. (laughs) They met in the fall. So that summer, so just a few months before they met them, this happens. Miss Darcy was in school in London with her teacher, Mrs. Young. Mm-hmm. Now, the family trusted Mrs. Young, so they allowed Miss Darcy and Miss Young to go to Ramsgate for a little while in the summer. Well, turns out Miss Young and Mr. Wickham were conspiring. So Mr. Wickham goes to Ramsgate and is essentially grooming Miss Darcy mm-hmm. to be his wife. To quote unquote fall in love with him and elope with him and be his wife so he can have her 30,000 pounds. Yep. Now, Miss Darcy is 15 mm-hmm. and Mr. Wickham is at least 10 years older than her because Darcy is 10 years older than her. Mm-hmm. And he is grooming a 15 year old girl. Yep. Well, Miss Darcy because she's being coerced, agrees to the uh, elopement. But luckily, Mr. Darcy shows up unexpectedly to visit his sister, finds out what happens, and he probably goes apeshit, which is what I would imagine. He doesn't quite say I'm that sure in the internally letter. internally he's going apeshit, but he's like yes. keeping it together, A, to protect his sister's reputation, mm-hmm. and then probably also to kind of like not kill Wickham. Yeah. And potentially go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> But essentially, they fire Miss Young. Yeah, rightly so. Yeah. Darcy takes Mrs. or Miss Darcy back home, and Wickham is gone forever. He doesn't speak to him again or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Wickham shows up in Maryton, and they have that slight exchange, and yeah. But that's it. Now that we finally know all this, like, when you think back to that, it's just so gross. Mm-hmm. The whole situation is just so gross and the big point is because lizzie is having difficulty believing this because she thought one way for so long and what seals the deal is darcy is like you know what you can check with fitz he's also the executor on the will he also has guardianship over miss darcy so he will make sure to back me up Mm -hmm. and so that's what's interesting is fitz can completely support the second half of this letter But sadly, Fitz can't support the first half of the letter. No, no one can. Right, right. But because Fitz can support the second half of the letter, Lizzie has to believe it. So then she starts starts questioning herself, Mm -hmm. her ideas, her impressions of Mr. Wickham, everything. Mm -hmm. She starts to go through this huge existential crisis, which is where we start to realize that how naive Lizzie really is. Because again, we read her so much older than she is. Right. Because she does have this air about her that speaks of maturity because she does have ideas that are ahead of her time, I guess I would say. But then then we have things like this or like things where she is like willing to not dance with Darcy because of because Wickham can't be there. She won't, you know, and Mm -hmm. you're like, Lizzie, what are you doing? Or the fact that she trusted Wickham based solely on the fact that he is charming and handsome, which she later comes to regret. 
Yeah. But one of the reasons why I think that we always read these characters so much older, too, is just because of the text itself, because it is, quote unquote, old timey. (laughs) So the way in which they speak makes them seem older because they're not, I don't know, Instagramming their food. Right. But they totally would. (laughs) So that's the reason why we read Lizzie older is because she's acting more of an adult compared to quote-unquote, kids these days. Right. <laughs> but she really isn't. Right. So Lizzie is going through a bit of an existential crisis right now because mm-hmm. she is questioning all of these opinions that she's had, not only about Mr. Wickham, but also about Darcy. Yeah. Because she's seeing him in this new light and she doesn't quite know how to reconcile this in her own mind. She starts to feel ashamed of herself and everything. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, there's the part where she was thinking back to when she first met Wickham. And she's she thinks to herself, many of his expressions were still fresh in her memory. She was now struck with the impropriety of such communications to a stranger and wondered it had escaped her before. And she saw the indelicacy of putting himself forward as he had done and the inconsistency of his professions with his conduct. And at that point, I wrote, like, if this were sci-fi, that he used a glamour on her, essentially. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, if you even think back to reading it, while we might not necessarily know how how improper. right the entire exchange was. It was odd that as soon as he brought up Mr. Darcy, which made sense because there was that interaction outside, but as soon as it was brought up, he just went right into dissing Mr. Darcy, Mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily something that would be good. And whether you leave this little portion of what I'm saying in or not, my dog is eating. So if you hear her, I apologize. (laughs) Podcast dog. (laughs) Um, Yeah, totally. And it's also funny And Lizzie points this out, how Wickham didn't really, because she was thinking, how could this have escaped us? How could, how Wickham really is, have escaped all of us? And Lizzie's like, oh yeah, Wickham didn't start dissing Darcy to everyone until Darcy had left. He was only talking bad about Darcy to Lizzie. And I think that's because Lizzie kind of gave him permission to that first night. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She totally did. And she had she also had bad words to say about Darcy because Mm -hmm. she had the previous experiences, which I do want to point out because you said she's thinking back at her initial conversation with Wickham. Well, she also compares that first initial impression of Wickham with her first initial impression of Darcy. Yeah. And I think that this is probably this might be the most profound thing she has thought of herself in this entire book. And it goes like this. Pleased with the preference of one and offended by the neglect of the other on the very beginning of our acquaintance i have courted preposition and ignorance and driven reason away where either were concerned Mm -hmm. so she essentially says that she was offended by darcy and therefore automatically put him in a bad category whereas wickham was very nice to her so she automatically put him in a good category and then mm-hmm. when evidence proved the opposite for both men she could not switch them in her head yes so my response is well what if darcy had just been nice and not an awkward man yeah but 
But then yeah. we wouldn't have this story. And no, she we would have never had this realization. And no. this is like a big moment of growth for Lizzie. Mm-hmm. Even in this point where she's finally reconciling that Darcy isn't the bad guy, she's also taking the step back and she's like, you know what? Neither is Bingley. I know I was mad mm-hmm. at Bingley and I sunk him in my opinion, but he's blameless. Bingley is 100% blameless. Not just because, you know, I know he's a good guy, but also because now I know that Darcy did keep them apart in London. Right. And she makes the realization that what she knows of Bingley, now that the trust has been reinstilled in her of Bingley, she realizes that Bingley would never be friends with the Mr. Darcy that Mr. Wickham has portrayed. Yes. Which we kind of got a little bit from Jane mm-hmm. when Jane was trying to get more information about the Wickham situation from Bingley at the at the ball. Like, Jane was always like, I don't think that this is right. I really don't think that this is right at all. Like, Lizzie, you need to think about this. And Lizzie's like, no, 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 no. I, I know what's going on. And I think that maybe Mr. Bingley just isn't wanting to tell you the truth. But now she's realizing, wow, I have misjudged literally everybody in the situation yes with the exception of maybe miss bingley that's might be the only person she has judged correctly well and of course she <laughs> hasn't misjudged jane because her and jane right 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 i'm i'm more thinking the people outside yes of exactly yeah. yes 100 percent. but that is the most profound line she has ever said and this whole coming to terms with how she has treated Darcy and Wickham is very interesting because it does all go back to how naive do you have to be to trust a man because he looks cute? Yep. (laughs) Well, and it's also interesting because you brought up the fact that Wickham didn't start dissing Darcy until after he was gone to everybody else in town, which is true. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because while Darcy doesn't always rub everybody the right way because he is an awkward man, Certain people in town did have this negative opinion before of him before anyway, like Mrs. Bennett. So people didn't really seem to engage with her in that dislike of Mr. Darcy until after he left. And Mr. Wickham came in and kind of reinforced what Mrs. Bennett was kind of saying anyway. So it's really interesting, I think, that like we kind of are under the impression that nobody in town likes Mr. Darcy. But that doesn't really seem to be the case until Mr. Wickham showed up. Yeah. I mean, they have their opinions of him that he's a proud man. And this goes back to your point at the beginning where, you know, people have expectations of Darcy, but they're not going to like go up to him and say it because he is of a higher class. So then when he does leave, when he's removed from that, then they can really start speaking their mind and like they can Mm -hmm. even get more more propelled to do that through Wickham's story. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I also I was actually kind of thinking, I wonder what the difference in society is between the people of Meryton who met him at that first ball and thought of him very proud and kind of in that negative light. I wonder what the difference is between them and then the people that he would meet regularly who wouldn't tell him that he's being rude. Because the people he normally interacts with definitely want to butter him up. But the people in Meryton might just do it because they're like, well, you know, we're of a lower class. We shouldn't be, you know, rude to people of a higher class anyway, but we don't have to keep it up. I think it's more like where Lizzie and her family live. It's like a small town and Mm -hmm. we are from the same small town. So we Mm -hmm. know that in a small town, everybody kind of knows everybody. And like there is that idea that small towns are friendly 
And so if somebody new comes in, they're going to be really interested in getting to know that new person. Even if he wasn't super wealthy, they'd still probably be really interested in him. In him. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, so that's Lizzie's existential crisis. Yeah, poor Lizzie. But don't worry, she'll she's going to go on a little trip and she's going to clear her head. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she clears her head with lots of walking yeah as it is because Fitz and Darcy leave right before she gets a chance to see either one of them again and actually while she is out walking around reading this letter and having an existential crisis the two gentlemen actually show up at the Collins house to say goodbye Mm -hmm. and Fitz is actually really kind of sad even though we already know that he can't marry Lizzie anyway which is also kind of sad but yeah so the, the two men then leave and Lizzie is not put in an awkward like situation where she has to talk to to Darcy. Yeah, so um, she really gets a chance to kind of organize her thoughts, and mm-hmm. finally, when she's able to get home and talk to Jane, does she really feel better? Mm-hmm. At least about the Wickham Darcy scenario. Yes the the Jane Bingley situation. She still does. She keeps that to herself. And actually, there is something before we move on. Mm-hmm. That I want to go back to because while she's having this existential crisis, while most of it is in relation to her initial impressions of Darcy and Wickham, she also comes to the realization that her family is part of the reason why Jane is unhappy now. Yeah. And I actually have this completely surrounded in lines in my book where she says, like, she's talking about her family and how her family is one of the reasons why Jane can't be happy. And she talks about, how her mother and her sisters are always being improper and everything. And she actually says they were hopeless of remedy. Mm-hmm. Her father contented with laughing at them being the daughters would never exert himself to, to restrain the wild giddiness of his youngest daughters and her mother with manners so far from right herself was entirely insensible of the evil. So she, while she wants to go home, I think there's part of Lizzie that's also like, I don't know if I want to see my family either right now because it's kind of their fault too, but I don't know. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm glad you brought that point up because I also was thinking about the family and I was thinking of it more from the point of when Darcy would continually bring up her family and how terrible they are and Mm -hmm. that was one of his deterrents from wanting to be with her I couldn't help but thinking that everybody feels like their family is a little embarrassing and I'm not saying that the Bennets are just a little embarrassing don't get me wrong they're pretty embarrassing (laughs) but I mean everybody feels that and there is always an apprehension of oh my gosh how is my family gonna act when this person I like comes around Mm mm-hmm But I still feel like Lizzie has a lot of family pride that when Darcy does say this, even though she knows he's right, she's not going to say that he's right because there is a big sense of pride for her in her family. Like she still loves her family. Like I know her, we give the mom a lot of crap, but I'm sure Lizzie still loves her. And same with like her younger sisters. Like, yeah, they're way out of line, but I mean, I still love them. I still want good things to happen to them. I don't want anything bad to ever happen to them. 
Right. But I wonder if some of that pride isn't shaken at this realization. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because while we did see Lizzie, like, trying to hold her mom back, both at the ball and then before at that breakfast, Mm -hmm. when she came when Jane was sick, to the point where Lizzie, I think at that point, was actually defending what Mr. Darcy was saying, which is, which was weird. There is a pride, but there is also, like, Lizzie realizing and recognizing the craziness that is her family. Yeah. But I wonder, yeah, if that pride isn't shaken a little bit now that this, because she, she, yeah, she did always know that they were crazy, but now it's like, oh, they're crazy. And here is the catastrophic result of it. Yeah. You know? So. All right. Let's talk about what Lizzie says to Jane regarding Wickham and Darcy. Yes, because she doesn't talk to Jane about Jane and Bingley. No, because that would hurt Jane too much. It would. And also Lizzie brings up the point that, you know what? What if the improbable happens? What if Bingley comes back and everything works out? Why put worry on it when potentially Bingley could tell the story himself and even better than I could, which is how I mm-hmm. read that. Well, I, I read it as in, like, if Bingley comes back and explains the story, then Lizzie can tell her what she heard from Mr. Darcy and kind of right. add more to the story and yeah. the explanation. And it won't be as big of a deal. Right. So yeah, that's why she's not going to talk about the Bingley thing. And yeah, kudos to you, Lizzie, for having that tact. Good idea. Yeah, most 18-year-olds probably wouldn't. Nope. But she does tell Jane about the Wickham Darcy story, as we have mentioned repeatedly. And when she's doing this, she's like, Jane, how could I have thought this? And Jane is there like also disbelieving and I think more to, like, make Lizzie feel better. Like, it's kind of like when your friend tells you something and you know, you know they were wrong, but you're like, oh, I can't believe that. Oh, because they're your friend. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure every single time that that has happened, I've been like, yeah, well, because actually, like, this has happened recently with a friend who was broken up. Like, she broke up with this guy who was terrible for her. And, like, she was all like, oh, yeah, we broke up and I'm really sad. And I was just like, oh, he was an asshole. I mean, I didn't want to say anything at the time, but he was an asshole. <laughs> right. Whereas in if it were Jane in that scenario, she'd be like, what? Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. That's kind Tell of the- me why he was an asshole. Exactly. That's kind of the essence of what's happening here. Yeah. I'm not a Jane. <laughs> I'm a Jane. I do want to say that I find this quote pretty interesting. I think it's Lizzie that says this. She says, when when talking about the differences between Darcy and Wickham, she says, there certainly was some great mismanagement in the education of those two young men. One has all the goodness and the other all the appearance of it. Yes. Meaning that the person with all the goodness is Darcy and the person with the appearance of it is Wickham. I never thought Mr. Darcy so deficient in the appearance of it as you used to do, Jane says then to Lizzie, being like, well, Jane very much didn't see it like Lizzie sees Mm -hmm. it or did see it. Jane kind of always, I think, like, when Lizzie would talk bad about Darcy, I think Jane was always like, yeah, uh uh-huh, okay, fine. Like, she didn't see it. She didn't, she she always had a, a higher opinion of Darcy than Probably everybody else. There were some cases where she would not defend him, but she would kind of like find an alternate way of looking at things. 
which mm-hmm. makes it even more sad that Darcy separated her from Bingley when Jane was on your side, dude. And I know you yeah. don't know that, but like we know that. And so for me, it makes what Darcy did. <laughs> I didn't, well, I didn't even more. think of that until now. So I want to go back really quick to chapter 24 at the very end when Wickham and all of the Bennets are standing around and they're dissing Mr. Darcy. It says right at the very end, Miss Bennet was the only creature who could suppose there might be any extenuating circumstances in the case unknown to blah, 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 blah. Essentially, she was she's the only one that wasn't talking bad about Mr. Darcy. She's the only one who didn't think of him the quote unquote worst of men. And that Miss Bennet is Jane. Yeah. Yeah. And look how Darcy used her. Okay, do you feel a little bit, just like a little bit, just like the fraction on my side, like the tiniest yeah, little, yeah, little yeah, sliver? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I mean, I know not. this good. wouldn't be the situation today because they would be able to communicate better. I want to have, I want to see a nice conversation between Darcy and Jane, but it won't happen because they're not friends. <laughs> oh my God, we should write it. You should write it. Can you make that fanfic? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. I'm I'm I I'm busy with this thing. It's called a podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gee, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> so I think that's essentially it for like the big things that we wanted to discuss. There were some like little things that happened also in this section that we're not going to get super detailed into, but I just thought it would be fun for us to share. Just like a couple of things that we saw in the little bits, uh, specifically when Lizzie is leaving Rosings and when she meets Lydia and Kitty at the inn. You go right ahead because there is actually something at the very end that I would like to point out because it makes me happy. Okay. So one thing that I really liked is when Lizzie is leaving Mr. Collins. You know, they're like with each other in the morning having breakfast and... Of course, Mr. Collins is as long-winded as he always is, but he says this really beautiful thing at the end of his conversation with her. He says, Only let me assure you, my dear Miss Elizabeth, that I can from my heart most cordially wish you equal felicity in marriage. My dear Charlotte and I have but one mind and one way of thinking. There is in everything a most remarkable resemblance of character and ideas between us. We seem to have been designed for each other. And when I first read this, I was like, he's just talking out his ass again. But when I read it this time around, it really struck me that I truly believe he's being sincere in this moment. And it was just really beautiful. And I really loved, I really loved those lines. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you because I can't for certain say that he isn't thinking that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also just kind of reminds me of his initial attraction to Charlotte. Because that did kind of seem out of the blue and a little bit like... Like, let me put it this way. If someone were reading this book back in the day, they might have read that section with Charlotte kind of getting Mr. Collins to propose to her and then reading that line there and and might be like, she's a witch, she put a spell on (laughs) it. So, like, that's why I'm, like, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with you. Right. Because I don't know that it's not sincere. But it could also just be that he ha- is just so, so determined to be that. Maybe. 
I just read it really sincerely this time. Maybe, you know what? You know what? I have a new, I have a new thing. Charlotte Lucas is not only a romantic, <laughs> possibly asexual, but she's a witch. <laughs> Perhaps, because we also know that her home and her housekeeping, her parish and her poultry and all their dependent concerns had not yet lost their charms on her. So, charms. She's a witch. Well, also, she has her own little, like, room in the house where she can do things. And she makes sure that they have a nice garden. Yeah. Yeah. She's a witch. (laughs) I'm going to write a story about Charlotte that is essentially Cersei by Madeline Miller. But it's Charlotte Lucas. So she's, like, a witch. And, like, she's her island that she's confined to is being married to Mr. Collins. That's that's the fan fiction I'm writing. <laughs> the other part I really liked was when they're at the inn and they meet Lydia and Kitty. Um, so they, they welcome them with the cold lunch, right? Mm-hmm. And Lydia says, And we mean to treat you all, but you must lend us the money, for we have just spent ours at the shop out there. And I was like, love this, me. Yeah. <laughs> that i would do that i wouldn't do the other things lydia does but i would do that and i love that she like gets the bonnet and she's like it's ugly but i'm gonna get home and like do stuff to it to make it pretty and i do that so like no that's that you know what you know what that's totally cool but i read it as lydia bought the bonnet because she had to buy something yeah yeah, that's literally what it is. And later, when they're all squished in the carriage, she says something like, well, even if the bonnet is ugly, it's okay, because at least I have another package or something yeah. like that. Like, like, she bought it because she needed to buy something. Yeah. That girl is, well, let me put it this way. As soon as I read that Mr. Wickham's mother had a problem with spending money. That's why I gasped. I was just like, foreshadowing that's why i gasped earlier in the recording yeah (laughs) anyway yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. well i think i think we can talk about that i think that's coming up in the next section so i think that that's okay to talk about yeah but yeah so then after like i made this connection with lydia i was like oh my gosh i'm a little bit of all the sisters like i'm jane in love and matters of the heart i'm lizzie in like wit and snarkiness i'm mary because i'm a bookworm and i'm like also kind of weird and i'm lydia because i like shopping and making things unique i don't know what I am with Kitty. I don't know much about her yet, so I don't have anything for Kitty. Well, but. Lizzie describes Kitty like pretty, pretty blatantly in here. She basically just follows along with what Lydia says and does, and she's kind of like agitated and like ill-tempered. She says Catherine is weak-spirited, irritable, and completely under Lydia's guidance. Yeah. So I don't really see myself in Kitty, but I do see a little bit of myself in all of the other sisters. Yeah. So that was a fun observation. And then, of course, there's this line when Lizzie gets home that her dad says to her that just melted my heart. It's just one little sentence, but when they're home and having dinner, he looks over and he says, I am glad you are come back, Lizzie. It's like, Dad. <laughs> when Lady Catherine is trying to get Lizzie to stay a little longer and she's just like, no, my mom can spare me, but my dad can't. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So those are my fun little things. Um. So 
talking about how you're a little bit of all the sisters, there's a line in here somewhere that I read it and I was just like, that's me. When Lizzie says to Jane, it is such a spur to one's genius, such an opening for wit to have a dislike of that kind. So like essentially her dislike of Darcy. One may be continually abusive without saying anything just, but one cannot be always laughing at a man without now and then stumbling on something witty, which is very me. I flirt by insulting and laugh at people regularly and think of myself witty. Yeah. Luckily, though, sometimes I am witty and other people laugh too. But yeah. But uh, so the one last thing that I want to talk about just really briefly is uh, so you know how before I said something about how some parts of Pride and Prejudice just remind me flat out about Much Ado About Nothing, which is my favorite Shakespeare play. Mm-hmm. Um, when Lizzie and Mrs. Bennett are talking about Jane and how heartbroken she is, Mrs. Bennett says, I am sure Jane will die of a broken heart and then he will be sorry for what he has done. She says that about Mr. Bingley. And I wrote in the margins, hero! (laughs) Because that's what happens in Much Ado About Nothing is they pretend that she has died of a broken heart when uh, the the love of her life leaves her and then he gets all sad. And then, of course, there's this nice big happy ending. But yeah, like, this just confirms that Jane Austen has read Much Ado About Nothing. (laughs) In my mind, which makes me happy because I love that play so much. So, yeah. Nice. I'm just going to keep finding even more bits. Yes. <laughs> because, I mean, Darcy and Lizzie are very much Beatrice Benedict. Yeah, I can totally see that. For sure. I mean, they are. Yeah. This they, is, this is sure. much to do about nothing. <laughs> I just. Regency, this is much, much to do about nothing. <laughs> yeah. It is. Slightly it's, easier to it read. It is much ado about not a thing. Yeah. Because Darcy has much ado about Lizzie. Yeah. And the um, modern version is much ado about nothing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's the end of it for this this week. Yep. So we will uh, get into even more next week yes there's always more there's always more until there isn't yeah and then there'll be more of something else yes yeah all right well thank you everyone for listening we hope you enjoyed today's episode and we will catch you next time bye Beyond Measure is hosted by me, Katrina Mayer, and me, Elle Kammerer. Our music was composed by Shane Ivers, and our artwork was created by the beautiful and talented Katie Keneally. We are hosted on Podbean, but you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website at withbeyondmeasure.com, or follow us on Instagram for all of our updates, memes, and just fun stuff. Our handle is at WBM Podcast. I'm going to say that again. 
It's W B M podcast.